can I call on Pastor Mike? Pastor. <laughs> can we just uh, just stretch our hands out for him as we just pray for him and bless him because he's going to bless us tonight. Mm. Father God, thank you for Mike. Thank you for his preparation. Thank you for his lifelong preparation, Lord. Everything that you've placed in him, Lord. And I just pray that you'll open up our hearts to receive what you have for us tonight and that you'll just use his mouth as, as your mouthpiece, Lord, and that your message will just come across tonight. And we bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Sure. Good evening, everybody. Hey, I'm so happy to be with you guys. You guys are fun, eh? You guys are so much fun. Um, this is really cool. There's a year-long focus um, at Hatfield Christian Church. I'm saying I'm a lot. So it must be because I'm tired. All right. There's a year-long focus at Hatfield Christian Church, and I get this crazy privilege of introducing it to you guys. Wow. So you ready? Like, here's the drum roll. Um, this year, we're going to have us a love revolution. Yeah. Yeah. A love revolution is the graphic up. Yo, Sam made that graphic at the last minute for me because he's amazing, and he told me not to say it. So... I said it. Don't anybody look at Sam who's sitting right there. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have a love revolution. And it's really cool. Revolutions are neat because revolutions restore order where there wasn't. Right? Whenever a revolution happens because something's not lacquer, and from the ground up, people come and say, no, we're going to make this right. Right? And to tell you what, the church of Jesus Christ, if it's known by anything, it should be known by love. That's what we should be known by. We should be known by love. And I can tell you lots of anecdotes, and I can tell you of studies that were done um, and all that, but let's rather look at the Word of God. Hey, isn't that probably better? Yeah. So let's do that. Let's have a look. The title of the message is pretty funny, um, um, and I'll introduce it like this. In the meantime, you can pull out your devices and swipe with me to um, 1 John 4, or if you have a Bible made of paper and leather, how cool is that? Um, so you can open it to 1 John 4. So in my, in my Bible at home, it's on page 874, but I don't know if that helps you. Right, 1 John chapter 4. But here we go. In 1984, yeah, who was alive in 84? Let me see. Show of hands. Come on, be brave. Yeah. Woohoo! In 1984, Terry Britton and Graham Lyle, do you know these names? Terry Britton and Graham Lyle. Lyle wrote a song decrying what they perceived to be some emotion that just gets in the way. And they said, why must all these feelings complicate things? And they wrote, what's love got to do with it? And y'all thought it was Tina Turner. <laughs> what's love got to do, got to do with it? Right? Right. So we're going to spend 2020 answering that question. Right? But I'm going to give you a spoiler right now. What's love got to do with it? Everything. Love has everything to do with it. Love, in, you know, despite what Mr. Britton and Mr. Graham Lyle said, love is not a secondhand emotion. Love is a person. Love is the ultimate expression of the personality of our Father who created us. And make no mistake, love is active. Love is not passive. Love is a choice. Love is a choice. 
So 2020 is the year of the love revolution. And see, I wish I had that 80s R&B DJ voice, you know, the love doctor. Because that's how you should say that, the love revolution. But I just can't make that voice. But just imagine it in your head, the love revolution. But let me tell you, before we read in 1 John 4, let's just just have a look at the context. Because I tell you, um, I chatted with Pastor Louie about this on Wednesday, and I'm big on context, but I had never dug into the context of 1 John. Because I love how John writes. John and James, man, you don't have to think too hard. Man, when I read, when I read Paul, you see, i got to get a theological dictionary out. You know, i got to work. Man, John and James just put it out there. You know, plain putting it. You get it. You understand exactly what he says. But Louis, Pastor Louie talked to me about the context. And it just took this whole book and put a whole new light on it for me. And it was amazing. So I want to share a little bit about of that with you. John sat down and wrote this letter and he was old dude. Not like, not like me and Luke joke around. No, this dude was properly old. He was like 90. He was for real. He was, he was there, man. He was, he had way outlived the average oak in his day. He was 90. When he wrote his, um, when he wrote about himself in his gospel, he called himself John the beloved because it's cute because he's like 16 or something. And now he's calling himself John the elder. Right. And he's writing, I'm y'all, y'all, I'm old. Right. He was living in Ephesus. It was around 90 AD. And, and I want to ask you, what do you think the occasion was for this letter? Right. Maybe he's like, yo, I saw this Instagram. Hey, I got a, I got a, I got, I saw this meme. I got to Instagram it to my peeps. Right. Is that why he sent a letter? Was it flippant? Was it just, Hey, check out this joke. Right? Why did people write letters in that day? Most of the time it was to encourage believers, you know, through difficult times. Sometimes it was to correct stuff. You know, if you read the Corinthian letters, Paul is sorting them out, right? And Galatians, right? So John had an agenda, but it was the Lord's agenda. It was the Lord's agenda. And John was writing, and there were two things going on. And one of them um, I had never thought about until Pastor Louis pointed out this morning. It was really cool. He's writing during this transition. Everybody that was first-generation Christian was going, busy going to heaven, right? So when John says, I'm the elder, John's like, yo, man, all my friends with Jesus, and I'm just here with all you young people. Right. All the people that that, had, you know, those first generation Christians, they were going, they were moving on to heaven. They were dying away. And it was time for that second generation to take hold. And this transition was critical because this is not some silly sect that we're messing around with. This is not some movement that, hey, let's see if we can do it another hundred years. It's not a movement. Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Right. And it's not a cool story. He was born of a virgin. Right. And God himself became a man for us, a man that you could see and touch and tell a joke and he would laugh. And a a real man, a man that felt pain, a man that felt emotion. And he walked among us. It's not a movement. It's not a it's not a it's not a period or an era. It's a relationship with the real person who happens to be God. And John was fighting for this. We're not going to let this thing pass away like some silly movement of thought. This is the relationship with our creator and our father. And so he wrote this to make sure we don't lose it because there are false teachers running around teaching nonsense. Right. And here's who these people were called. They were called Gnostics. 
right? And maybe you've never heard that term because we just don't have, you know, you can't go down the street and there's the second church of the Gnostics. You know, they're not around anymore because they were nonsense. But they were teaching crazy stuff and it's too much to go into. But one of the things they taught about was that Jesus was not really the incarnate Christ, because they had this funny belief, and there's lots of different kinds of Gnosticism, but one of their main sticks was um, material matter is evil and spirit is good, right? And, you know, so, so matter bad, spirit good, and the body is material. So there's no way God could become a human because bodies are evil. Right? So no, there's no, Jesus couldn't have been the incarnate Christ. No, God's a spirit. He's good. So what, what must have happened? Jesus, Jesus was probably just an average Joe. I mean, Yeshua. Like there's a Yeshua on every street. You know, it just means Joshua. Right? How many I have at least three friends named Josh? Right? <laughs> For it was a really common name. So you're like, no, no, no. What happened is when he got baptized, the spirit of, the, of Christ came on him. But then before the, before the uh, crucifixion, then the spirit of Christ left because God can't die. Mm, no, God can't die. They were teaching this nonsense. And how, you know, if Jesus isn't really God in the flesh, all of the strength and the power of this relationship with him is gone. It's gone, right? It's just another silly, stupid philosophy, right? This is why Gnosticism died away because it was just another silly, stupid Philosophy. They also believe what we do with our bodies doesn't matter because our body is evil and the spirit is good. So they'd run around doing all kinds of horrible immorality. Everywhere they would go teaching, they would infiltrate the church and sleep with all the women and do all these crazy things. And, and all this sin and wickedness followed them and they were not loving to the people they were teaching or to one another. And they were full of sin. So you look through um, 1 John and the theme is all about light versus darkness, sin versus holiness and righteousness, and love versus not loving one another, right? Because he was taking apart this, this nonsense of Gnosticism one thing at a time. He was just systematically just pulling it apart. And it wasn't even very difficult. He only needed five chapters, right? So, of course, John didn't write in chapters, but, but y'all know what I'm saying. He didn't have to write it. He didn't have to write very long. And here's the other thing. They believed salvation came from knowledge about Jesus. It didn't actually come from Jesus actually, you know, putting his spirit in you when you cry out to him. Right? We know this. Salvation comes through faith, through grace, by faith. Right? And whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. They're like, no, no, no. You just need to know. Knowledge is what gives you salvation. Because since knowledge isn't material, it must be good. Right? Isn't it nonsense? Let's, they've got enough airtime. We know we don't have Gnostics today, but now we can get an understanding of what was happening. So John sent this letter to all the churches that he um, had relationship with around um, Asia Minor, which today is Turkey, the country, to expose the fraudulent doctrine. And here's how he starts the letter. He says, we saw him with our own eyes and we touched him with our own hands. And he's writing to people, most of them are too young to have done so. Right? We saw him. This is such an important thing as we look in 1 John 4, 7. Please remember this. The guy who's writing this saw Jesus with his own eyes. Right? So, um, so I'm going to pick on. Which friend can I pick on? JJ is a pretty amazing guy. Right? And I see him with my own eyes. But can you imagine if JJ and I were alive around 28 AD, 29 AD? A long time ago. 
right? About 199 decades ago, right? And JJ and I, and I could see JJ and I could appreciate him. Wow, what a, what a great guy, man. He's clever and he's funny and he's, and, he's, and he's authentic. He cares. And then I see Jesus, right? And I'm going to tell you, JJ's really cool, but there is something about Jesus that is like next level. I mean, we don't have enough words. Legend, epic, what do you want to say? There's, you just can't, right? What is, what is that? Right? It's because it's this weird thing. He's fully man and he's fully God at the same time. How do you do that? Just think about it. God, God, who like, who like spoke. You know, the Big Bang is probably a thing, right? You know, God spoke and bang, right? There it is. This, he's so big. Right? And then you take this ever-expanding universe and drop it in his eye and not blink. Because he's so big. This God put all of who he is, according to Colossians 1, into Christ. And that body survived. Right? Think about it. Wow. How do you? And John was like, it's, it's not just, I mean, it's pretty cool to know JJ. I can shake his hands. We can jam together. Right? But John got to know Jesus like that, God and man at the same time. How I many know that oak was never the same, right? That messed him up permanently, you know? That just, wow. And that's what he's saying. He said, I got, to, I got to touch it with my hands. These eyes have seen him. These eyes have seen him, right? And when we read later in, in chapter four of this letter, remember that's where he's coming from. In chapter three, he takes apart this, Everything goes sinful nonsense. And we're going to look in the next three weeks, this week and two more, we're going to look at chapter four where John's talking about loving one another. And here's the, here's the question that John's going after, which, which I love. Six decades ago, now for us it was 199, six decades ago Jesus ascended into the heavens. And most of the people I'm writing my letter to, they weren't even born yet, right? So how can I get them to understand that he is who he said he is. He's not just some regular oak on whom the spirit of God came for a little while and then he did some cool teaching and a couple miracles and then he left. Not it. How can I get you to see it? How can I get you to see it? And you know, we still need that today, don't we? I mean, there's not Gnostics around, I think. There's nobody standing on the, cre- on the street corner, you know, saying, save yourselves, read an encyclopedia, right? Because they believe knowledge saved you. I mean, that's not happening. Right? So we don't have Gnostics. But you know what we do have in the world today? We have people who doubt that Jesus is who he said he is. Most people don't doubt that there was a guy named Yeshua born around the turn of the first century. And he wandered around Palestine teaching. But a lot of folks might doubt that this historical figure is in fact the son of the living God. He is. Fact, y'all. Fact, And since he ascended to the heavens 199 decades ago, we sit with John's problem. How do we show the world that he is who he said he is? How do we show it to them? Because I don't know about you, even though, I mean, Jesus is not going to walk among us right now, right? But there's a possibility for me to be able to say, I've seen it with my eyes and I've touched it with my hands. Come with me. Let me show you. I want that. Don't you want that? It's possible. So let's look with John because it's possible. Let's have a look. So 1 John chapter 4 verse 7. And I cannot 
look at this scripture without remembering the song from the 70s in the King James Version. But there was a little children's song. So I'll spare you, but it's, just know that it's running through my head. Right? I'm going to read it in the NIV because if I read it in the King James, I will sing it. Right? With the hand motions and everything. Right? Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. And notice John's not talking about knowledge. Love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Now think about that last statement. If you don't love, you don't even know him. He's not writing to sinners, people. He's writing to the church. That is a confrontational statement, right? They've been worshiping, you know, some of them, I've been worshiping Jesus for 20 years. If you don't love, you don't even know him. What a statement. So let's look into this. Love one another because that's who God is. Right? Love comes from God. Now listen, when Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, first of all, one cool thing about the NIV is um, when the writers of the New Testament are talking about the Holy Spirit, the NIV scholars put a capital S. And when the writers are talking about your spirit and mind, it put a little S. I really like that. It just helps, right? So Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it lists the fruit of the Spirit with a capital S. Because it's cool. Because if I had to produce patience, it's over, y'all. It's over, <laughs> right? So glad the Holy Spirit produces that fruit. And I'm going to tell you, as an aside, I pray that a lot. Man, I get up, Jesus, will you please make self-control today? Because yesterday... It was gone, man. The cupboard was empty, right? Please come and produce self-control. Please come and produce patience. But the first one that he listed is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's number one. It's first. It's the first one he lists. He says, if you know God, you love his children. And if you can't love one another, you must not even know God. What a statement, right? So if I'm, so if I'm sitting in the first century church, and I've got a few bickerings and a few disagreements. And somebody walks into church and every time they walk in, they're like, yo, I hate that guy. Right? And I hear this thing read. Now I'm offended. Right? And I'm like, you best explain yourself. But now he does. So let's look at verse 9. It says, if you, he just said, if you don't love, you don't even know him. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. Notice it doesn't say he told, right? Notice it doesn't say he thought. It doesn't say he intended. It doesn't say he meant. You know, the real thing don't play, right? Love is active. Love is direct. Love will get in your face, right? You, you, love isn't something that you can't touch. Love is very earthy. Love is, love is tangible, Right? I shouldn't say earthy. It's tangible. It's real. It's right here. Right? He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God. And now I'm the guy sitting, I hate that guy. And like, I do too love God. Right? This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So listen, God showed us firsthand love. Firsthand. I love when I saw the title. You need to preach. I got an email. Can you please preach this night? It's great. Here's a title. What's love got to do with it? I was like, oh, how awesome. 
right? Because God, because I know this passage, the love is active. It's firsthand, right? And the writers that wrote this thing, you know, you know, the, they said, what's love but a secondhand emotion? No, no. There's nothing second about love. There's nothing at all second about love. He's saying God gave, look how God gave his one and only son just so that we could live. If you really, really know that, then you know love and you're able to love. If you don't love, then you must not have experienced this yet. And I want to tell you throughout this evening, if you're maybe in this room like the guy was making up in the first century church, wherever this letter was read, right? And um, maybe you were born in church, you know, like, like literally. Mom was at church so much that I almost came out in church. And we barely made it to the hospital. Maybe your whole life, you know. I'm sorry if that was a little much for y'all. But maybe your whole life you've been in church and you've heard the thing, you've heard the thing, you've heard the thing. If you've never taken that beyond a cool story that your Sunday school teacher told you, right? Tonight's the night. This is not a self-help course. This is not a movement. This is not a theory. This is not a cool little story, right? Jesus is the living God who walked among us. People saw him with their eyes. They touched him with their hands. He made them laugh. He made them cry, right? He fed them. He touched them with his hands and their bodies were healed. And then he went to the cross and carried all of our sin. What a savior. My sin against him, your sin against him, my sin against you, your sin against me, all of it. And he paid for it. And he's so, I mean, he's so much cooler and tougher than Clint Eastwood or, or, um, or who's the guy that we tell the jokes about now, Chuck Norris. Because he did all that and he said, it's finished. I'm like, that is like, the most amazing thing, you know, some, some Hollywood guy might say, go ahead, make my day. But that's nothing like when the Lord of glory said, it's finished. I, done, I just paid for all of it. Check it out, y'all. I just paid for all of it. And then he rose from the dead. Not a cool story. In fact, and tonight, you don't have to wait any longer tonight while, um, while we're sharing communion and worshiping with the, with the worship family here, find somebody in the front and say, you know what? I've never actually like made this thing my own. I've just always come to church tonight, right? Tonight. And what's the difference between making it my own? Making it your own is when, is when you go beyond just coming to church and singing the songs and doing the, man, I couldn't keep up with y'all. We're doing all this stuff. You know, it's like, wow, right? But doing all that, going through the motions, you know, um, when you make it your own, it's when you look Jesus in the eye, and maybe you have someone leading you in a prayer to help you do it, but you look Jesus in the eye figuratively, and you say, I believe it, Jesus, I believe it. You really did, you were really born of a virgin. You really lived 30 odd years and never sinned. You really did die on a cross to pay for my sins, and you really did rise from the dead. I believe it. And I want you to be my Lord. You're the Lord. I want you to be my Lord. And would you, would you come and live in my heart through your spirit? And you say something to him on those lines. I'll never forget the time having grown up in church. And I even like would repeat that prayer with people. But I remember the moment when I realized, yo. Because there was this incredible conviction. A friend of mine was talking about conviction during prayer time. 
right? It was an incredible conviction. I was riding in the car with my mother, and uh, there was this movie playing in my head, and I didn't know God showed visions, and I didn't know. There, I was just a movie playing in my head. I didn't know the Holy Spirit does conviction. I didn't know that either, you know? Um, so there's this movie playing in my head, and it's how in the new church we were going to, how some people would behave and treat one another, right? And what is that? It's what we're going to get to just now in the message. I could see who Jesus is because of the way these people were loving one another. And the movie was showing that. And then the movie showed um, how Jesus behaved from the, I, I went to, before we changed churches, I was at a really good church that taught really well. Great education program. Man, I knew all these stories. So the movie played how Jesus behaved and how Jesus treated people. And then the movie played how I behave and how I treated people. Yo, people, the contrast was severe, hey? Hey, that was tough, right? But I saw it in black and white. But see, I grew up in church. I knew the prayer. So I went into my room, right? And the first thing I said was, you know, I don't recommend this, but I got saved swearing. Um, I'll spare you since we're in church. But I said, Jesus, I'm not a Christian. I may imagine swear word here um, that matched how I behaved and treated people. Then I prayed the prayer and I gave my heart to him. And I'm telling you, he met me there and my life changed. My life changed. And if you've never done that tonight, y'all, tonight, tonight, because, because religious observances don't help anything, eh? They don't. I want you to know Jesus. I mean, I love this church. I come, right? But if, if all you got is this church, no, man, you need to meet Jesus, right? That's enough of that. We want to, <laughs> right? But I'm with John. I've seen him with my eyes. I've touched him with my hands. And if you haven't, if you haven't experienced the, the, the love of Christ exploding inside of your heart, don't you wait another hour. Will you come tonight right here during communion? And say, let's pray. I want to know Jesus like, like, like the weird Texan guy was talking about. I want to know him like that. Right? So the example of love, it isn't how we respond to God by loving him. Right? That's not the example. Because that's easy. That's easy. You know? My dad did so many things for me when I was a kid. It was easy for me to love him because he was doing all this stuff for me. Right? That's the easy part. The example is God doing stuff for us when we weren't lovable. And here's the point. He made the first move. It's not a secondhand emotion. God made the first move. So despite Tina Turner's moving and incredible performance, love is not a secondhand emotion. Romans 5.8 says this. God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? Isn't that good? So when we say love these days, Pastor Louis pointed this out this morning. It's so great. We're describing some abstract feeling towards something or someone. We're, you know, it's an, it's an idea, an expression, but that is not at all what God's talking about. We might also be describing how we benefit from something. Right? So, wrote this down this afternoon, sir. I love pizza. Is anybody with me or is it just me? I do. It's okay. I do. I love pizza. But why do I love pizza? Because I get benefit from pizza. It's lacquer. Right? It's nice. You know, it tastes good. It's filling. I love it. But I would not give my life for it. Not even Domino's. 
right? Would not give my life for it. How many love sport? Right? You get some pleasure from it. And if you actually do sport, not only do you get some pleasure from it, but you get some physical benefit from it. Right? You love sport, but how many of you would give your life for Mama Lodi Sundowns? Right? Or Orlando Pirates. Or if I created division, please forgive me, right? 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 I'm not talking to, I'm talking about the 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 thing, not the people. Right? How many would give your life for soccer? How many would give your life for rugby? What? No, there's a difference. There's a love where I get something from it, so I love it. I love pizza. I love hamburgers. Y'all know this, right? You know, I love that. I love baseball. I'm going to tell you, we're going to get to heaven. We're going to play baseball. That is God's sport. I love, I love baseball, but it's not the same thing. That's not what God, some of this abstract, I feel something, this abstract thing, or I get a benefit out of it, so I, I love it. He's not talking about that. He's talking about unconditional sacrifice, sacrificial act of loving. The love that's not afraid to, to pull you aside and get in your face, even if it's gentle, and say, hey, this thing is, this thing is hurting you, right? It's not afraid to sort you out. That kind of love, that kind of love that, man, God, you know, we sing a song all the time that captures it okay, right? There's no mountain he won't climb up. No shadow he won't light up coming after me. There's no wall he won't kick down. Lie he won't tear down coming after me. Y'all, that's the love of God. You see the activity there, the active, not passive. Those, those, aren't, those aren't abstract things. Those are things I can touch, climbing mountains and, and, and ripping stuff apart and lighting up dark areas. God is after me, right? God is after you. And that is true. There's no links he won't go to to get relationship back with you. There's nothing he will stop at. And if you're like, I'm not sure that's true, Mike, he gave his son. I'm going to tell you, I really, really love you guys. I love being with you, but you can't have my son. (laughs) Nope. I'm not as good as God. I ain't trading my boy for anybody in this room. Is that okay? Let's just get real. He gave his son so that you could live. So that he could have a relationship with you. He's after you. It's a relentless, active, unstoppable love. And it's not some flippant thing. And it's not some intangible emotion. We can touch this, y'all. It's real. And see, as an example, I, I don't love my wife the way I love pizza. It's different. All right? It's different. When I met my wife, I'm going to tell you, she wasn't my wife yet because, you know, I just met her. Um, <laughs> But when I met Chandra, I couldn't, I'm serious, I couldn't wait to serve her. And we don't think about it in those terms. We think, we think you know, you're insecure and young and stupid. You know, would she say yes if I asked her out? We're thinking all these things. But deep in your heart, what do you, I want to serve. I want to serve her. I want anything, right? So it's, hey, can I carry your books, right? You know, or I, she's walking around campus one day and like, I was like um, trying to chat to people, and I was like, you know, we, she hardly knew my name. I said, hey, what's going on? She's like, um, well, my mom needs to move from this house to this house, and we don't have a vehicle. We don't have anything. And I was like, so I'm looking for two people. And I was like, I'm going to go get my friend. You just wait right here. I'm coming. <laughs> right? I couldn't wait to do stuff for her, anything at all, because I wanted to serve. What is that? Because love isn't some stuff 
some silly emotion or secondhand this or abstract. Love is active. Love does stuff. And she didn't know it yet, but I was done. I was head over heels. The moment I saw her, man, that long dark hair, them chocolate brown eyes, it was over. I was done. And I was like, anything, any act of service, anything I could do for the privilege of having her in my life. Y'all know, fellas, right? We go to great lengths. You know what I'm saying? So I found the first guy in the door. He's like, what's your name again? Chad. Chad, you got to help me come move this old lady. I said, why? I said, because there's a girl. Come on. He's like, oh, I get it. All right. Yeah. Hey, the favors I owed that guy. But it was worth it. Right? It was worth it. So what does that mean for us? When, when John says, John has said, if you don't love one another, you don't even know God. This is love. Not how we respond to him because of what he did for us. Love is what he did for us. That's love. Look at the links he went to. Look how he came for us. That's love. What does that mean for us? If we know God, we love like he does. First, not waiting for something to be earned. Right? Matthew 5, Jesus said, I'm going to tell you, love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Right? And everybody sitting, sitting there on the mountainside is teaching them. They're like, yeah, this oak is nuts. What? You want me to love who? Now, here's why I bring up that verse. If that's how we're supposed to treat our enemies, how are we supposed to treat those that's our brothers and sisters in the church and not just in this church? I'm going to tell you, someone's going to XYZ church down here that believes in Jesus or ABC church over here or one, two, three church over here. Thank you, Michael Jackson for those names, right? If anybody's going to those churches, guess what? That's family. That's family, right? If we're supposed to love our enemies, how are we supposed to treat them? How are we supposed to treat them? Here's some examples. Don't wait for an apology when someone sins against you. Forgive, right? Is that okay? Yo, I got quiet. It got quiet. I could hear Luanda saying, shots fired. <laughs> right? Right? So don't wait for an apology. Forgive. Right? Here's some other ways. And I've had this happen to me before. When a family goes through some kind of profound illness, you know, somebody's in, the, in hospital for long. Right? I've had, I've had people in my family. I've had someone in hospital for four weeks. Right? And it was the hardest insanely difficult time of my life. And you know what? We had been in South Africa for less than four months, right? We, we like knew like 15 people, right? So, um, but this church, there was some life group and every night for four weeks, people we do not know brought meals to our house so that we could spend time being with our family member in hospital. Y'all, it wasn't a couple, it was four weeks. And what had we proved to anybody in this church? Nothing. You're like, what is that? That's the church. That's, that's people who've seen how Jesus loved them. And that love just comes out. See, it's that practical, y'all. It's that practical. It's not hard, right? It was just a meal, Right? Long ago, in the year was 1987. <laughs> no, yeah, it was 1986. Long, long ago, in 1986, 
there's a, there's a young lady named Marie Hoff who is now married and she has a different surname, right? She was about 16 or 17 years old. She lived way out in the country. And there was another guy who was about 12 living also way out in the country in the bush, right, in Texas. And Marie was a popular girl in her church and she had this youth group that she went to. And um, it was a happening youth group. Jesus was touching lives. Stuff was happening. And Marie saw this kid. This kid wasn't so well adjusted. And it was socially awkward. And he was a mess, full of sin and getting in trouble, failing his classes in grade 8. And um, the principal was saying stuff like, that kid won't make it through high school. So Marie started leaving early for church on Wednesday and grabbing this kid and bringing him to youth group. Right? And it cost her socially. You know, because some of the other kids were like, yo, who you, who'd you bring to church? <laughs> what's, with, what's, with the, what's with the weird guy? You know, and like he's like half your age, you know. But Marie wanted this kid to know Jesus like she did, you know. That kid got born again, um, praying in his bedroom after a swear word. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and after that kid got born again, um, never got a failing grade ever and finished first in his class at matric, right? Because Jesus did something wild. Jesus did something wild, yeah? Yeah, that's cool. I hope you're applauding for Marie because she loved Jesus. Then she let that, she saw what Jesus did for him and she let that love come out of her in a practical way. A practical way, like James was talking about, y'all, wasn't it fun going through James last year, letting that guy get in our face? Yay! Right? But it's the same thing. James said, what does it mean if you said, oh, the Lord bless you, and then you go on and do nothing? Right? Love is active. And Marie did something, and it changed, actually, my life. And why do I give you such personal examples? What examples can you come up with? Right? How has that love touched you? in a real way, right? How has it ever touched you in a real way? And maybe someone's sitting here right now and the Lord just dropped, just brought up a memory from X months or weeks or years ago and you've never seen it that way. And maybe right now you're just blown away. God, you loved me like that. And I never noticed it before. Oh my God, the way you were there. Because I didn't get it when she was bringing me to that youth group. I didn't get it then. I didn't see it, Right? Maybe you can see that. Or maybe some of you are sitting here and you're like, oh, I can do this and I can do this and I can do this. And listen, here's the deal. Jesus ascended into the heavens 199 decades ago, right? I mean, that was so many music eras ago. It's not even funny. That was a long time. We don't even have any oldies from it. It was a long time ago, right? It was so long ago. But when you do stuff like that, you make Jesus where people can touch him with their hands and see him with their eyes. And they say, yes, he really is God. He really is the son of God. And this is wild, but God loves me. Don't you want to make people touch it and see it? Right? So as John was writing this letter, um, he was surely having memories of three years walking through Israel with God in the flesh. Can you imagine that? Right? He was remembering things that made Jesus laugh, things that made Jesus cry. And y'all, this isn't like fact. This is just my opinion. But he's probably remembering that time Jesus shoved um, Peter into the Jordan. You know? 
It's just, everybody's laughing. He's just like, ah, here, let me help you up, you know, right? Because Jesus was not sour. I mean, children were attracted to him. Have you ever seen children run after a sour person? <laughs> Jesus was fun, y'all. Jesus was happy, right? Right? So John's remembering all these things. But here's one of the moments that I promise you, I'm really sure when he sits down to write this letter, here's a moment that comes to his mind. Right? And it probably came to his mind probably every day. Right? Every day he probably remembered this. And he'd even written about it a few years earlier um, when he wrote his gospel. Um, They were together in an upstairs room and they just observed the Passover. And then Judas had stood up after something really awkward was said. And then he looked really awkward. And then he hurried out. And then it was just quiet. Everybody's like, yo, yo, what do we do now with that? Right? And they knew they were about to go to a garden for a midnight prayer vigil. And this moment was just pregnant with significance. You know, and Jesus is the first one to speak. And he spends like an hour telling them stuff. And they had no way of knowing that he's giving them last instructions. How are you going to live your life? Because everything's about to change right now. The discussion covers like three chapters in John's gospel. And then there's another chapter where Jesus prays to the Father and the comments further before they go to the garden. Right? So this is the big thing. This is like the last words of Jesus before, you know, he gives his life. Right? It's a big deal. And what did he begin this ever so critical, important Last conversation. How did he begin? Well, he comments about what's going to happen. And then he says this in John 13, 34 and 35. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another. Do y'all see how important this is? As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, listen up, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, John's writing to get the attention of believers back to this fact that God himself became a man. He wasn't some normal guy that the spirit of Jesus came on and then left because God can't die all this nonsense. God himself became a man and lived among us and walked among us. And John is remembering this poignant moment when he writes, Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And everyone that loves knows God. And if you don't love, you don't even know him. Remember, this is love. Not that you loved him, but that he gave his only begotten son so that you could have life. That's what love is. He's remembering that. And when Jesus said, this is how everyone knows that you've been with me. Me, not the knockoff brand. Me, not a cheap facsimile. Me, not some normal human on whom on whom Jesus, the spirit of Christ visited me, God himself made flesh. This is how everyone will know that you have been with the living God in the flesh. You ready? Love one another. This is the proof. And John's remembering that. And he's saying, love people, love can be touched. I've seen it with my eyes. I've touched it with my hands. Real life love can be touched. And if you want people to see who Jesus is, love one another like Jesus loved us. Let's follow that example. And that's what he says in verse 11 and 12. Follow this example of firsthand love. And it's really cool because I forgot to copy and paste it into my notes. (laughs) That's That's how they'll see who God is, a tangible expression of God's love. Pardon me while I just pull it up on the Bible app. 
Y'all already there? Swipe with me again. First John chapter four, verse seven. Here we go. Verse 11, excuse me. Thank you for your patience. Dear friends, since God so loved us, and by, by so, he doesn't mean so much. He means since God loved us like this, right? Um, we also ought to love one another like that in the same way. No one has ever seen God. Now, this is funny because earlier God, John said, I've seen him with my eyes and I've touched him with my hands. What's he talking about? He's talking about Father God in heaven. No one's ever seen Father God in heaven, but we've seen Jesus, right? No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives us. God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. His love is made complete in us. The New Living Translation says it beautifully. His love is brought to full expression in us. Full expression. God, I want the world around me to see it. I want the world around me to touch it. When you go to work tomorrow, do you want others to see and smell and touch the authentic love of God? Hasn't he changed your life? Yes, because it's the real Jesus living in you. By his Holy Spirit. And if you've, if, you've, if you've looked him in the eye and said, I believe in you, Jesus. Forgive me my sins. Be my Lord. Then it's the real Jesus living in you. Not some cheap facsimile. Not, not some kind of Jesus Jr. Not a half dose. None of that. Now, we're not talking the knockoff brand. We're not talking the generic. This is the real thing. The OG, Jesus himself, lives inside of you. Right? the real thing man and that authentic expression I want it to rise up out of me every generation seeks the authentic I remember sitting in youth camps in the 80s and preachers would say you Gen Xers can smell a fake a mile away there's a real cry in this generation for authenticity and it was I was so moved and then I'm and then I'm sitting in a youth camp as a youth pastor and I hear a, a guy saying that to those teenagers and I'm like wait a minute you know what? But you know what? Both statements are true. You know why? Because the more things change, the more they stay the same. Every generation, you know what we still want? We still want the real thing, right? We don't want a facsimile. We don't want a fake. We don't want an abstract nonsense. I want to, I want to see it. I want to touch it. I want the genuine article. I want the real thing. Humans want authenticity. And according to John, the way to authentically display the real Jesus Christ is to love one another, right? And what do you think would happen in our city alone if everybody started loving the way Jesus loves, right? If everyone started saying, God, show me today, what can I do with my hands to make people be able to see you with their eyes because you're so real. Right? What would happen just, just in our city? Right? I want to love like that. I want to love like Jesus loved. So God, show me practical ways. Um, can, guys, can y'all join us now in response? Um, and there's going to be prayer leaders up here um, somewhere. Right? So, um, yeah. And I know Darlene is one. And Pastor Tisha is one. 
So, um, so if y'all, if y'all need to find, and Stephen's one. So if y'all need to find someone to pray with, and you don't know who ask one of those, is that okay? Right? But come, come and um, come, and we're also going to have communion while we worship the Lord together, because it's really cool. Um, Jesus had just finished communion, the Passover, and he said, "Always do this." Right? So he took it from just a Jewish thing and made it something for every believer. And he said, what's about to happen, right? This bread is my body and it's going to be broken for you. Right? And this wine is my blood and it's going to be shed for you. And keep doing this Passover thing, y'all, because you remember the way I showed you love. And you love one another like I loved you. And I want to invite you as the, as the guys, um, as a, Stephen called them the worship guys, as the worship guys minister to the Lord. I want to invite you as you also minister to the Lord and worship him with, with music to come and share in his communion and say, Jesus, I remember the way you loved me. I remember your broken body and your shed blood. And I want to love others the way you love me. Is there anyone I need to forgive, God? And maybe you want to find someone to pray with you? Help me forgive, right? Or God, will you show me practical ways that I can love firsthand? Or maybe you want to say, God, show my family and my city who you really are, the way we love one another, right? Whatever your response is, you guys don't have to wait for me to stop talking. Um, Whatever your response is, right? Won't you come, right? And maybe you take your communion and you just respond to the Lord, or maybe you take your communion and then you go to someone who's had prayer. Or maybe, maybe there's one or two or five or ten people tonight that you're like, man, I've been to church so many times in my life, but I've never prayed to Jesus like that and experienced him like that. Tonight, come tonight, come tonight, come and pray first and then take communion. Because you'll, you know, if you're not born again and, you're, and you take communion, you're just eating a cracker. You know, I mean, we can go to Woolies. There's a lot nicer crackers at Woolies than these, right? Give your heart to Jesus, right? And then share communion and remember what he did for you. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for tonight. Won't you stand with me? Is that okay? Let's stand together. Thank you, Father, for the way you love us. It's so amazing. Lord, would you inspire us? Lord, would you move us and show us how we can love and show the world who you are with our hands and with, and with yeah, Lord, in authenticity, God, and just pray that you would move through our lives. Show this city. Jesus, we want our families and our community and our workplaces to know that Jesus is the son of God and he loved us and he loves them. So, Lord, we cry out for that and we give the rest of this evening to you as we respond to what you've done. Amen.